You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Ladies and gentlemen, happy hump day and welcome to another awesome episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And once again, we have Tony Peterson on the show. And here's why I relate so well with Tony. Number one, we're very close to the same age. Number two, we have kids that are the same age. We hunt the same. Uh, our style, styles of uh, how we approach the season, for the most part, are the same. Uh, I would say that he hunts a little bit more public than I do, uh, while I here in Iowa hunt, uh, you know, a lot of uh, private. But I get out on uh, I get out on on public as well, especially when I go out west, you know, to the Dakotas or to Nebraska, which he does the same. So there's a lot that's in line right here. Now it's a good episode, man, and I'm gonna break it down for you real quick on what we talk about. He finally well wait a second he has a big announcement to make uh, on this podcast and i'm gonna i'm not gonna i'm just gonna tease the announcement i'll let you get into it we get to talking about our kids and how it can be a struggle specifically with our daughters and uh, the emotional side of things we talk about active hunting versus habitat management style of hunting you know the food plot the the cutting down trees creating bedding areas the 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 habitat management that we've all seen and have basically grown up with in the quote-unquote industry as opposed to the active hunting which is going out and locating the deer locating sign and finding them and ultimately putting yourself in the right position to kill them which there's a little bit of that sprinkled into the habitat management side of things as well uh what else do we talk about we talk about um how big of an asshole i've become and and the hypocrite that i've become over the years and it's again just a fun episode anytime tony's on man we, we we have a blast and i know from the comments that i get Uh, from Instagram and social that you guys like these episodes too so I just keep putting them out and it is we do talk about deer hunting but there it's also gives me a little bit of a break in between deer hunting to uh, you know the deer hunting talk to recenter myself not get bored with the the deer hunting talk and then get back into the deer hunting talk so uh here is a good bs session with tony we got another episode coming later on this week with eric lance of hunt science and we talk about biology we talk about how one might 
become a wildlife biologist, what it is that they actually do. And uh, it's a, that, that one's going to be a fun episode. I'm sure you guys will enjoy more on the science theme on that one. So here are today's commercials. First off, brand new to the uh, the, the Nine Finger Chronicles is the Woodman's Pal. Uh, it is a machete, and they offer some other uh, cool things as well. But um, this machete, I can definitely see on my hip during, I would say, in about a month, right? And also, if I'm not going too far from the vehicle uh, in a run and gun type situation, hack some branches out of the way, cut some shooting lanes with this thing. It's a machete. It's got a hook on it. Uh, chop vines. I mean, you could make scrapes with it. You could make rubs with it. You could really use it as a tool when you're actively hunting, um, you know, chopping down, you know, I can definitely see this in the shooting lane, the habitat management, you know, Hey, I need, I need something really quick to, uh, to chop down a, a, you know, a sapling or, or clear an area. This is the machete for you. So W O O D M A N S P A L.com. Go check it out. American made since 1941. Uh, that's the Woodman's pal. Go check it out. Uh, next on the list, we have tethered. If you're looking for a saddle, obviously you've heard it, you know, especially out of my mouth. It's a brand that not only has an awesome selection as far as their actual products are concerned, right? They have the saddles, they have the climbing sticks, they have the um, the platforms and all the accessories that you need for saddle hunting, but they also have the community that supports that, right? If you want to become a better saddle hunter or become better educated about saddle hunting or even hunting strategy in general, Tethered has cultivated a ton of content on their website and on their YouTube channel for you to go check out. So go visit uh, Tethered's website, tetherednation.com. Next on the list, Wasp Archery. Again, absolutely love this company. Love the people. Like all of the companies, I mean, these people are dedicated outdoorsmen. And so I love Wasp uh, and mostly because Wasp does what Wasp does. And that is... You put their broadhead on the end of your arrow and it destroys everything that it hits. And even in marginal shots where we want our broadheads to perform at their maximum functionality, right? Obviously, you put a broadhead through the lungs, you put a broadhead through the heart, animal's going to eventually die, right? I like big blood trails and I like a lot of damage. And so I am a huge fan of Wasp for that for that reason a majority of their heads are still made in america on top of that they have the uh, some of the highest quality materials that go into the design of their their uh, broadheads and so it's a win-win mechanicals fixed blades you name it they have at wasparchery.com i do have a discount code nfc20 for 20 percent off uh, go enter that in now i mean now's the time to go buy Go get them, go get them, go get them. Uh, Vortex Optics. Vortex Optics, again, a company that makes amazing products, spotting scopes. Uh, they make, let's see, what is it? Spotting scopes. They make rifle scopes. They make binoculars, range finders, uh, red dots, you name it. They make it. On top of that is the people that work for the company. They are participants in what it is that they're saying. So uh, please, it's it's that time to start looking for, you know, what the, it, literally. So we have June, July, 
Oh, and then August is roughly. So we have this three month window until season starts. Seasons start to open up again, right? August is antelope season. And so if you're looking for a, a spotter, man, you got to go check that out. On top of that, they have a badass apparel line. So go check out uh, Vortex Gear, VortexOptics.com. And then last but not least, Hunt Stand. Hunt Stand, man, absolutely love them. Uh, that I, I love sitting on my phone. I, I was doing, I hate to say it, but I was doing it on the toilet this this morning taking my morning you know what scrolling through the properties that i have access to just daydreaming about what it is wind directions what time of year and just really calculating with all the other information that i've gathered throughout the years uh documenting it on hunt stand and then basically using that to forecast what my plans are for the upcoming season now sometimes they change Sometimes they don't. And so uh, the best thing to do is if you're not using one of these hunting apps, go to huntstand.com and just read up on all the functionality. On top of what they already have, they also have an upgrade, which is the pro whitetail platform. So go check out that as well. And uh, man, it's a really good lineup right there of products that I use every year, uh, sometimes daily. So huge shout out to all the brands that support this podcast. Please go and support the companies that that, uh, support this podcast. Uh, They're all very high quality. And uh, that's really it. We've done the commercials. We've done the intro. Hopefully everybody's staying positive out there. I know sometimes it's tough. I personally have to do this as well uh, where I get stressed with not only work but with my family and with life. And sometimes you just need to go outside, whether you need to go on a mushroom hunt or on a hike or just on a walk around your neighborhood, get some fresh air, get those positive, get that positive energy up and then share that positive energy with everybody. So uh, that's the hippie in me talking good vibes in good vibes out. Enjoy this episode with Tony Peterson. All right. On the phone with me today again, not sure why this dude keeps coming back. Mr. Tony Peterson, how we doing, man? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Let me, I, I, I want to ask you a question right off the bat, but I have to vent to you a little bit. You have two daughters and how old are they? 11. They're both 11. So my daughter's 10, right? So they're similar in age. Here's how my morning went. I woke up and surprisingly was in this excellent mood. You know, like the, the type of mood where you're whistling and you're like, Hey, Today, the sun is out. I'm happy. You're happy. You're drinking your coffee. You're like, God, this coffee's delicious. Oh, look at how beautiful it is. Look at that songbird. It's beautiful. Seven o'clock rolls around, and it was like a, the crypt opened up in a horror movie, and up from, the, up from hell comes my daughter, just like boom, boom. I said, hey, good morning, sweetie. And she just gave me the look like, I'm thinking about killing you right now, or I hate you, or I, and I'm just like, okay. So I just let that one slide. A couple minutes later, it's, hey, um, you know, do, what do you want for breakfast? And her response to me was, you guys don't even love me. I'm like, what the hell? Where did this come from? 
where did this come from? And so she spirals out of control, which causes me to spiral out of control. And so from seven o'clock till 8.30, right? There's an hour and a half. And in that time frame, I have reached my daily limit of intake of bullshit in that short period well, of time. And well, so- hold on though. What, what was her issue? You got two daughters. You tell me what their issues are. But she didn't. She didn't lodge a specific complaint. She was just generally pissed at you. Yeah, just like a general, why are you breathing? Type of hatred towards me. I think some of it had to do with. So our youngest boy has asthma. He had an asthma attack the other day. We kept him home from school. We're keeping him home from school today. She has a, a sore throat, or so she says, and. She doesn't feel that we treat a 10-year-old like we treat a 5-year-old. And so I had to kind of explain to her, like, hey, you're a little older. You're able to deal with a little bit more of this. You know, it's not worth staying home from school. And then I think that kind of caused the meltdown into the rampage that destroyed the city, if that makes sense. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, there's days where, you know... I just want to leave. (laughs) It's crazy, man. Like I, I love my, I've never loved children so much. Like I love my children. I'll do anything for them and then hate them at this, like equally at the same, like it's so hard. You're just like, (gasps) yeah, there are are a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I see 5,000 eye rolls a day. Oh yeah. Oh man. I get it. That makes me mad. Almost worse than like the back talk. The eye rolls piss me off way more than the back talk does. Yeah. So passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. Hey, say it to my face. If you're gonna say it, say it to my face. I dare you. Uh, and so come at me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's going on in my life. It sounds like you have some really big news you want to share with me. I yeah, I did. I saw the Top Gun movie finally. Hey man, congratulations. So- I figure, I figure your audience would be super happy with that. <laughs> and let me say two things. It's not bad, man. Okay. Okay. It's a good movie. It's a really good, just kind of like two hours of your time, be entertained. Yep. Uh, and how about Jennifer Connelly? How did that woman age? She did pretty well oh. for herself, huh? She used to be my one of my it girls back in the day. Uh, and yeah, she is uh, fine wind it. If, uh, she, yeah, she's done well. Did yeah. you know she's 52? Yeah. That blows my mind. Blows my mind. Yeah. Did you, have you seen Requiem for a dream? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, I, I like her as a heroin addict. <laughs> <laughs> I got a soft spot in my heart for heroin addicts. I always have, <laughs> you know, it's cause of your big heart, Tony. I guess, I mm. guess. You always like to give people the second chance in, in life. The, uh, this is totally random, but the, the guy who wrote Requiem for a Dream, the book that it was based off of, yep. has, has a couple of books that are equally as messed up. Okay. And I, I read them, usually one, I read, there's like three of them I really like. I read them every year. Yeah. And man, that guy, he had a, a different way of looking at life yeah pretty interesting but just so bleak yeah you know yeah <laughs> i 
when it comes to books, you mentioned something. And so, you know, Mark Kenyon comes on every once in a while. And he's like, hey, check these books out that I've read this week. And he's read like 10 books in a week mm-hmm. or whatever. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I've read 10 books in 10 years, in the last 10 years. No joke. So what, what does that say about me? I think that's a good question for Mark. I will say this, though. The reason that Mark reads 10 books a week is because it's easier to read when you don't have any friends. Or <laughs> There's the low blow we've been waiting for. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not ever getting invited to a barbecue or anything, like, yeah, it's time to sit down and read. That's fine. That's funny. Uh, we love you, bud. Um, so, so, Top Gun Maverick, uh, you saw it out of... Out of five buck sheds, what do you rate it? Uh, I'd give it a, a maybe a four. Four? Four maybe sheds? Three out of five? Three quarters. Maybe three good sheds and like a spike. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. That's a pretty good day. Uh, yeah. yeah, man. I, I, I thought it was okay. But one thing that I don't like about how the movie industry has uh, been working is where they'll dig up something old. They'll remake it, and then what they'll do is they'll force, like, <laughs> did Val Kilmer really need to be in that movie? You know, like, like I, I love the dude, but did he really need to be in that movie? Like, I just don't think he needed to be. Like, they, like it, those types of movies in general, they really just force all this extra stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it, it felt too much. That felt like too much. Yeah, you know yep. that. Did you ever see oh, what the hell was that movie? It was a it was a Netflix like a a mobster movie with uh, De Niro, and they like de aged all the guy. Like the, I think it was The Irishman or something. Okay, so if it wasn't for that movie being three and a half hours long, like I haven't seen it yet, but it's on my list of things to do when I get my knee replacement. Dude, I couldn't I couldn't get through it. Because yeah. when they, so they de-age them. So there's, it's, it's, the concept's super cool. Yeah. But it's shot in such a way where like Robert De Niro, when they filmed it, however old he was, pretty old. Mm-hmm. And, but they would de-age him back into like middle age. And he's like fighting dudes, but his movements are from a guy who's like 78 years old. Yeah. And so it's just like, there's like this weird, like disconnect where you're like, yeah. I don't, I don't buy this. Yeah. It's AI and, or whatever. I, yeah, I, Ah, uh, I don't know. Like, I if they're going to remake... Okay, if from your childhood or from some of the awesome movies that we've talked about uh, in the past, if you could see a remake or a reboot of an old movie, one of your favorites, which one would you love to see? To, to see? Man, that's a good question. Maybe like Gremlins. <laughs> or do you remember that movie Critters? Yes, you- uh, dude. Critters, Critters is one of the reasons where when I thought I was old enough to watch adult movies, then I saw Critters, and then I went into my mom and dad's bed for like two straight weeks after seeing Critters. Yeah, yeah, maybe one of those two. And you, you know what? You know what we should talk about. I, I don't want to totally switch gears here, but when you talk about like all these remakes that we're talking about, right? Like Top Gun, yep. like tried to follow kind of the format of the original yep. and they stuck pretty close to it. And everything's like a, 
a remake. That's like such a good example of how it's just a business. Yes. You know what I mean? Because they're they're yes. plugging in the numbers, going, "Hey, if we have a budget of this, the odds are that this many people will go see it, this many people will stream it. This is what it's worth, and it's a money maker, so we're gonna do it." Yep. And that's like content in a nutshell. Peer across all industries on all on all genres. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like I always, and you've probably dealt with this too. Like I've had a hundred million fights with editors and producers in my life to try to do always do new stuff mm -hmm. and i you you get this pushback and go you know we haven't done this in three years people forget they'll watch it again they'll see it and they're looking at it from a business perspective of going it doesn't matter we don't have to reinvent the wheel every time we mm -hmm. can do this over again i mean how many whitetail hunts are there on youtube you know like right. and it, it's always it's just like a good reminder that like that's what content is mm -hmm. like even you know books whatever it's like yeah, you're trying to say the same thing in a new way, but it's still the same stories that have been told. It's yeah. the same hunts that have been shown. It's the same stuff. You're just trying to find a little spin on it where it's just a little bit different. Yeah. There was a, man, I, I listened to a podcast a long time ago about this, and there was this guy, I, I think from Juilliard, right? That's a, is Juilliard music and arts? Like that's an arts college where, a theater yep. and all that stuff. Yeah. So this one guy from Juilliard came on and he was talking about how there's an, and this is in storytelling and storytelling is movies as well as songs and things like that. And he went through and he broke down all, a whole bunch of different movies, a whole bunch of different songs and poetry and things like that. And he said, in a nutshell, there's only like seven or something seven or eight ways that a story gets told and it's just recycled with new characters or new moods or whatever it is but the the if you were to break it down to its foundation there is you know the the introduction the climax and the ending like it's all and then different different ways of doing that sometimes the climax is at the beginning and then it's a long, drawn-out movie to the big, suspenseful end, or whatever the case may be. And so it's like, the, I mean, everything is just the same. It's but it's yeah. just how those stories get told that that make them different. Yeah, I my my book editor, she writes romance novels. Oh yeah. And so we live in different worlds. But mm -hmm. I'll talk to her about that, and she works for this like. Uh, a kind of a small independent press that publishes a lot, a lot of romance novels. And she was explaining it to me and she's like, we have authors who will write a book a month. And That's I'm like, nice. how the hell do you do that? And she's like, cause they're just plugging in new characters and like, it's the same template. So you yeah. don't have to think like, what's the cool thing that happens now. It's the same story structure, no matter what. Yeah. And so and once they've, they've worked that muscle a little bit, they go, okay, I know, this you know this setup happens and there's rising conflict and then there's this struggle and then it's they fall in love and then it's this and it's just like i remember being what she was explaining to me that i was like that's so shitty like yeah. that's so bad but then then when you get away from it you're like well that's kind of the same thing we're all doing oh, yeah. like you said you know when you when you look at like building a hunting show 
you know, there are different ways to do it, but they all follow the same pattern that you're talking about. Like there are only so many ways to do it. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's kind of a universal truth in content creation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and that's why I really enjoy these types of conversations because it is a break from the, the norm of what this content stream coming from me, it actually is. And so I love getting curveballs, and and that's why I personally have reached out and started doing different things. Just like number one, knowing that it may take a little hit on the analytic side, but for my own needs, I need to do something like that, or because I can't be that person who just goes rut tactics, rut tactics, rut tactics, pre-rut, post-rut, rut rut. Blah blah, and then next thing you know, your eyes are just no no liquid in them, and they're you're just you can't blink, and you're having a stroke, and and you're angry at, at your table, and sh- uh, whatever you know before I black out. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's tough, yeah. and I, I'm I've always you know I, I remember when I got into the hunting industry, and I was working with Bill Winky. And I was like, man, this guy is just a machine for cranking out a certain kind of article Mm -hmm. that just appeals to people who want, like, they want the shortcut on how to kill big bucks. And he was a master of that. And it just, part of it is wiring. Like, I I just did a uh, Foundations episode that'll drop here pretty soon on whether, like, figuring out whether you're a whitetail pioneer or a settler. Right. Like, do you love going out and finding new shit and scouting new places or do you just want that spot that's like the food plots here, the box blinds here? I know they're coming. If I wait till Halloween and go in, I'm going to kill one. And there's like two kind of divergent paths and they're both great. Yeah. But figuring out which one works for you is really important. Yeah. You just you you said something there that kind of it picked a scab for me and now I'm bleeding again. Because we, here's, here's my take on how this industry works. We, we prop these people up who kill giant antler deer. Those people have put themselves into a position and I'm not saying all of them, but I'm, I'm talking law of averages here uh, on these next couple statements. We've propped these people up who kill big antlered animals all the time who have the ability to manage large areas pass crazy big deer like pass 190 type deer I, I i just i that blows my mind that people do that but they do yep and then and then they go to uh they've put don't get me wrong they've put a ton of work in they've they've changed the property they've you know planted the food plots they've maybe managed the pressure whether that's a whole bunch of pressure so the deer are used to it or that's no pressure at all whatever however but i personally you know when someone says hey this person is the best hunter i know i don't think that i don't think that that person's a good hunter i think that that person is really good at managing property and then the outcome of managing property for deer is that like you're not like I look at hunting as something that is active like my goal is to I'm checking trail cameras I mean that's a bad example because they're doing the same thing 
but I'm doing this. I'm looking for sign. I'm, I'm moving around. I'm doing this. I'm not going to a box blind in a food plot and, uh, and, and watch and just waiting. Like there's hunting and then there's waiting for me. And some people kill really big, awesome deer waiting. And then there's some people who do the same thing, but they're more active in that approach. And so I don't know that like there's something, and maybe this is me just getting old and becoming more of an asshole as I get older, but man, like I I don't like it when people go, Hey, that dude's an amazing hunter. No, actually he's really good at planting uh, vegetables. (laughs) He's a good farmer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I used to get really worked up about that because it's, it's so common Mm -hmm. and that, but I'm just, I'm to the point now where I just don't care. Like yeah. I, I think, I think you should look at all that stuff. And it, you know, the whole point of that foundations episode was like, try different shit to figure out what you like. Yeah. Some people are wired to just want that like super consistent mm-hmm. hunt where they don't have to think about it a lot. Like, you know, I know if I plant my plots in the spring and I know if I leave it alone until this right time, I can go in and that's good enough for them. But my point was, figure out what you enjoy and i think what you're saying is a lot of people look at you know these people who are phenomenal at growing big whitetails yeah and they aspire to that and i go i don't know if those people are any happier than somebody who's going out on public land but they're doing that partially because it's the easiest way to kill big deer on exactly it is the easiest way yeah and so and and there are listen there are people who love that shit yeah absolutely go nuts but also understand that like that's not necessarily something you might not you might not want to aspire to that because it might not do anything for you you know like people say you know i'm sure they say this to you but they've said it to me a million times like man i would take every like if i was in the industry i would take every hunt that was offered to me yeah and i go yeah some people are like that Mm -hmm. because it's a free hunt they're going to go kill shit and it's going to be easy but if you if you're a certain kind of person and you go do that you'll find out you actually don't like that that much. Yeah. And it's not that rewarding. And so it's like that dream is to always go hunt the easy spot with huge bucks. Yeah. But if you go do that, some for some people it's just like that's not my thing. Like it's not going to work for you. And I think it's like really important for us to always be trying to figure out like what's your lane. Yeah. Like if you if speed scouting in the season and going mobile and just trying to figure stuff out really speaks to you then lean into that. If you don't, if the opposite and you're like, I like working the dirt more than anything. And I like the consistency of walking into a redneck stand and seeing 50 deer a night. Like that's what, why you're there. Great. But learning that stuff's important. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm a little bit biased in my approach. I'm also a hypocrite. I just want a full announcement. I'm a hypocrite, (laughs) you know? So, uh, cast your stones at me and I'll be okay with it. But I'm, I'm biased because. I had to learn how to hunt the heart, like hardest way possible. No mentors on my own getting busted all the time. I mean, all the time, you know, walking into a, a bedding area and just white tails running everywhere. Right. And getting into a good spot and then not understanding thermals. And then the thermals suck down and busted or they switch busted, busted, busted. And so I look at that and I go now, I know these things. I know how deer move through terrain. I know how deer use their nose. I know how um, wind and terrain and vegetation different times a year. It's, you know, like, you know, all this, you know, I, I know these things. Uh, 
the the thing that I and this is this is again from the outside looking in is like if you're doing it that way and you've always done it that way, don't you feel like you're missing out? Uh, don't you th- think some of these people may be missing out on truly knowing whitetails other than the hey they're a slave to their stomach type approach? I mean, personally, yeah, yeah. I mean, personally, I I think that, but it doesn't. What does it matter? Yeah, you know, I mean, like yeah. you're not going to change people, and I I kind of look at it like. You know, you could go out west and pay for a, you know, a mule deer hunt, let's mm-hmm. say, and you could sit with a rifle on the edge of an, a private alfalfa field and shoot a mule deer coming into that pivot to feed in the evening yeah. and love every second of it. And I look at that and go, that doesn't appeal to me at all. Right. There are people who want that. I'd rather go find one in the high country and try to bet it down and stock it with my bow. Yeah. But it's like. I, I don't know like it does it matter you know and, and i agree with you and I, I think from the perspective of new hunters i i think the struggle is real important yeah. i think if you're if you've hunted for a while and you're at a certain age or whatever you got the money and you want to do whatever go ahead but i i do look at that and see the value of a if you're starting out and you're not in a place where you're mostly going to fail but love it at the same time or learn to love the little wins while you're mostly failing. Yeah. I think you're, you're missing something real important to this, just like in anything super challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I just want to reiterate. So people understand I'm a hypocrite. Uh, <laughs> I'm an asshole. And, and so that's just my, uh, very negative. And I'm usually a positive guy. I mean, maybe I wouldn't have even went down this path today, but my daughter ruined it. <laughs> Yep. for me today. All her fault. the whole day is ruined now so <laughs> and here i am i'm always the guy who tries to preach good vibes but man there's days where the good vibes are just not in the building sometimes the fourth grader comes in and cuts you off at the <laughs> right at breakfast and the rest of your day you're just a prick just a cheap shot right off right off the bat anyway <laughs> there's that um yeah man i, I tell you this i i want to plan a food plot I want to, I want to try it. I want to do it. I I've done only done it one time. I overseeded the deer didn't come to it. And then I lost the property because my buddy, my buddy moved away from that property. And so I want to try it again. And I want to see, I mean, I like planting a garden. I like growing vegetables and things like that. I like deer hunting. So maybe it's the best of both worlds combined. I want to give it a try within the next couple of years. I think on this new property that I've, I've gotten permission to hunt, I think I'm going to eventually get the opportunity to do that. But it's something, it's something I want to mess around with. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good way to look at it. Because, I mean, I'm, I would say if you were going to kind of categorize me as a pioneer or a settler, I'm probably like 87% pioneer. Yeah. I like new stuff. Yeah. But what I found... So I own two little properties over in Wisconsin mm-hmm. and you know, they're small enough where it's like, you got a couple setups in each spot, Yeah, you know, 28 acres and 30 acres. And I did what everybody does when they buy a property. I put in a kill plot mm-hmm. every year. I go expand it a little bit and work on it. And I am not good at food plots. Yeah. Like they never turn out very well, but I love, you know, like when the snow starts to melt and, you know, March or early April going over there and cutting brush and just kind of like, I love the work involved. It's it's pretty freaking enjoyable. Yeah. But when it comes fall, I don't like hunting over it. Yeah. And 
and like personally it just it feels kind of weird to me like i just i've killed a few deer on it but i don't enjoy it but i'll tell you what taking my daughters over there yeah, when i know there's some does and forkies coming in i really enjoy it yeah yeah you know? that'd get them hype for sure you know it's it's not necessarily a slam dunk but at least you're gonna see something well it's just yeah and it, it's like it's different with them, right? Because every deer is a potential target. Yeah. So if you've got a spike and a couple does coming in somewhat consistently, you're like, we're going to go and probably have a deer that one of them wants to shoot in shooting range if we get in there. And, you know, the wind switches or whatever, and you're, it doesn't work every time. Yeah. But I love it for them. It's not for myself. Yeah. Have you ever been on a a media hunt, like a Texas high fence exotic hunt or uh, invited to, you know, go hunt a high fence operation down south for, for work or anything like that? Um, I've never done a high fence hunt, but I've done, I shouldn't say that. When I hunted South Africa, that was high fence. Okay. Uh, um, which apparently is the only way to do it over there. I don't know. But anyway, um, and it felt like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even I, I think where we were was like 7,000 acres, but there's a billion animals and you're on the only water. So yeah. it's like stupid, but in the States I haven't, but I've hunted Texas. I've, I've hunted places where you hunt the low fence part and there is a high fence part. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know, felt pretty easy. Yeah. Like I, so I, I've been on, I haven't been on a, like a true high fence hunt in the States, but I've been probably as close as you could get without actually having the fences. Yeah. Yeah, I went down to Texas, oh, four years ago, maybe. I got invited by a company uh, to go review their products and then talk about them and, you know, you know, make content about it. And then I ended up, uh, or while we were down there, you know, it, it's on a high fence operation. The whole ranch was ours. And uh, it, was, it was in May, so it was uh, exotics only. You can only shoot exotics. And... We get in there right at daybreak, and you hear clink, 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 clink. The, the feeders go off, and then all the animals start to come towards that sound. And I just, it felt a little icky to me. I don't yeah. know other, like, uh, there was a black buck in front of me, and the guy, I go, it just appeared out, and it was headed right towards the feeder. And so I was like, uh... I, you know, maybe I'll pass this and just kind of wait and see what else is, what else is there. He goes, you're going to pass this. Like, I'm like, yeah, I, you know, this first set, I don't know what I'm, you know, what I'm like, I never had done anything like that before. And I guess yep. out there you're just supposed to slay shit and not really, it's not like really hunt. You're just, it's basically target practice. And eventually I, you know, I threw a couple arrows down at that trip, but it's one of those things where I walked away from it going, Hey, I'm glad I had that experience because now I know that I don't want to do that kind of thing again. So, yeah, I mean, it, th those hunts, you know, and the Africa thing too, they're kind of set up mostly just to kill. Yeah. Like you, you the people who are going to do those mostly want a lot of stuff in their trophy room. Yeah. You know, and it, I mean, not everybody. Right. But yeah. it's like, it, it is a weird thing. And it, I just, I look at it and go, you know, like I'm a freedom guy. I'm like, whatever, I guess go do it. Yeah. But there's yeah. so many opportunities to not do that Yeah. and do other stuff. I don't know. Not yeah. my thing. Yeah. Man, I tell you what, I was messing around um, online the other day and I pulled, I uh, pulled up my 
hunting app and was just kind of scrolling through it and messing around and, and it just like it got me hyped about heading out and trying to do you know like this year south dakota has turned from an pretty much an automatic draw to that uh, uh to a, a draw now so i applied there with zero points who knows if i'll get it or not if not i'll have a preference point for next year i got kansas that i've applied for now um if i draw kansas i'll probably uh, try to hunt oklahoma as well so long story short uh i've just started daydreaming about south dakota uh, again and and how much i absolutely love that terrain that that western nebraska western south dakota uh type terrain the prairie and, and things like that I don't, I don't know what it is but i, I just love that and I, I love watching mule deer through a spotting scope and and i've i've just been really thinking a lot about that lately yeah i mean i think that's the the message we miss so much with hunting content yeah. is we we frame everything up as like go here to kill a big buck mm -hmm. you know go here to kill an elk whatever but you start to figure out it's like i just want to be in environments that speak to me right like it, you know i think we talked about this before but you know you're talking about an area or a region that i i freaking love same thing yeah. and like western north dakota like the breaks out there yeah my favorite place to be like not not just hunt but to just camp and yeah. smell the sage and get out there. And I, you know, it, it's weird. Like uh, where I live here in Minnesota is real flat and it's, you know, a lot of cattail sloughs and swampy shit. And it's like, it's not an environment I'm super stoked to hunt in yeah. really. So like when I draw Iowa and I can go hunt the bluffs along a river, like I grew up hunting in Southeastern Minnesota, it's the same kind of thing to me. Like, I feel like I'm back in an environment that I just love yeah. like that deciduous forest, the, the real steep stuff. And I think that's what, I think that's really important for people to travel and not, not just hunt big game, but like get out there and go find these places because yeah. you'll want to go back, you know, yeah. like you're, you may be in a little different place, but you know, like I love <clears throat> the upland thing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, you know, you'll find a spot like that and go, well, shit, I can't get a tag here every year to hunt whitetails, but I could go back here and hunt sharpies with my dogs or hunt pheasants or go do a turkey hunt or something. And it's just kind of a testament to like, you just want to be there. Yeah. Like you just, you want to spend time in that environment because it's special to you. Yeah. So here's one thing that I've been thinking about and, and I'd love to get your take as a landowner. Um, like land prices in the county that I live in are absolutely ridiculous. I mean, twelve five an acre for junk ground. I mean, no, like really low corn yield, um, sandy soil. Uh, it's basically just rec recreation ground, right? So that 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 price is ridiculous. But I'm having, I'm I'm having these internal thoughts and debates about if I should try to pick up, a, you know, some small acreage in a different county. Uh, so I at least own some land just in case the worst possible thing comes to true, you know, truth and that, you know, Hey, there's no more public land or, you know, if you want to have a good hunt, that's not blown out all the time, you have, have some ground versus investing that money in some lifetime type hunts. Like, man, I want to go hunt a moose uh, and I want it, I want it a certain way. And I know that that certain way 
Um, I need to go do something with somebody who's experienced at that. And, and it's, it's leading me towards uh, an investment, whether that's with an outfitter or a guide or me planning that trip by myself. Uh, either way I look at it, it's a big investment. And, and so I'm, I'm having this debate of, do I cross some things off my list? Do I put my, inv- my financial investment in out-of-state hunts? Or do I try to save and, and do this, this land thing? And, and so as a landowner, like any pointers would really be awesome. Cause I know you're, you know, you do the out of state stuff and, and have the bucket list as well. Man. So I think the way to look at this, I think people get this wrong a lot because they go, like you just said, right. Land is ridiculously priced here. Mm-hmm. And in 10 years, you're going to say the land is ridiculously priced here. And in yep. 20 years, it's never, you don't get deals on assets like that no. hardly ever. No. And so what we do, and this people do this constantly with, I want to buy my own deer ground. It's like, I want this much woods and, you know, a river running through it and some tillable and blah, blah, blah. And you start going, okay, you're never going to get there. Like most people, yeah. with the way the prices are going, even for like a 40 acre chunk, you'll probably never get to a point where you feel comfortable pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm. And so what I did just kind of happy accident is I, I started shopping for what I could afford, which was almost nothing. Mm-hmm. And this was, I guess the first property I bought was in 2011. So it's been a, a little while now, but you buy something that you can afford and you can turn it into something. Yeah. You know what I mean? So instead of being like, I want 80 acres of this and that's my goal, maybe it's 20 acres of, you know, less appealing ground, but that 20 acres of less appealing ground, if you go plant some fruit trees on there, you take a little care of it, maybe in five years, that's worth enough for you to get a down payment on something bigger. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I mean, everybody, we set really lofty goals with this and I get it. Like everybody's in a different position but you kind of got to like build your way up to it for most people. And so I'll just give you an example. The first property I bought, it's 28 acres and I couldn't afford it at $15,000 at that time in my life. My wife was pregnant with two kids, like, but it was, it was a screaming deal. So I split it with my dad. And so I, and I had to take out a loan for half of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was freaking terrified. And then I bought it and we got a tax refund. I paid off a bunch of it there. And I was like, okay, I'm not going broke over this. And it kind of motivated me to find more work because I was a freelancer then. Yep. Then I I found another property in Minnesota two years later because I had paid that one off. And that one was 28 or 29 acres for 39,000 bucks. I couldn't afford it. I talked to a buddy of mine. We split it. And in five years later, we sold that. So we paid 39 for it. We sold it for 85. We just got kind of lucky. We had a guy come in, but instead of going super deep and taking out a 30 year loan for it, I was on the hook for $19,500. And in five, I made $5,000 a year on it after that. Yeah. Because we put in work and I put in two kill plots and had good photos. And so it's, it's one of those things. And I, and I, you know, now, those properties, you know, who knows what they're worth? Like it, it keeps going up, but what you got to look at right now is like, what is there, if I want this, how can I get in at the most base level and then put in some sweat equity to build something? Yeah. You know, cause you, you, you're not going to buy the dream. Right. And so I always tell people like, think about it that way. You know, like 
if you love to fish and you're 20 years old, you're not going to go out and buy a, you know, 20 foot ranger that's, you know, base price, 90 grand, right? You're going to buy a 14 foot lawn and like work your way up, you know? Uh, So I, on the land front, I I look at that and go, we always say it's like, it's like always going to be out of reach, but maybe you don't get to buy 20 minutes from your home. Maybe you got to buy across state lines and it's, you know, a two hour drive, but it's affordable and you can, you know, maybe not have your dreamy deer hunting, but maybe you have some sweet grouse hunting and you do have deer hunting and it's a different season than you have at home. Like there's, there's ways to look at it, Yeah. you know, and then on the other front, you know, those dream hunts, like that moose hunt you're talking about. Yeah. That shit is so expensive now, man. It's so expensive. The best deal you're going to get in the rest of your life on a moose hunt, probably this year. Yeah because it's not going to get cheaper and I don't see this demand going down. Yeah. And so, so it's like, where are your priorities? And for me, I, I don't, I'm not like a bucket lister guy. I've been really lucky to hunt a lot of different stuff. So I kind of look at it and go, I'd rather have some dirt that I know is that like security for me yeah. that like you said, if, if everything else that I hunt goes away, nobody's taken that from me. Right. And if I have to hunt that 30 acres with my kids, at least I have that to hunt. Yeah. Yeah, so that's been rolling around in my my head right now, and uh, there's some property that I, I've been looking at and and thinking about approaching a landowner because once it hits the market, you're, there there is no deal on it. I mean, especially through a company, let's just say like Whitetail Properties, like they're gonna sell it at the max, the max yep. price uh, of of that. And so, and if there's good deer on it, there's somebody with a lot of money who's going to pay for that, which obviously drives the market. And I guess you can't blame, you know, blame the people for that. But, um, yeah, so my goal is to buy ground under the, you know, under the radar and hopefully, uh, you know, obviously if you're going to sell grand for the, or land for the most part, you're going to have some kind of idea of of what it's worth. It's just a matter of telling these people, Hey, like my thought is save your 7% or whatever their commission rate is on, on this ground. And, and I'll, I'll pay you that, but you're not having to go through all of this extra stuff to, to, to do it. And so I don't know. We'll see. I I would say, I mean, we could pretty, we could go pretty deep on this. Like I use a Edina realty app and I, I have parameters set where, where like a price range that I would feel comfortable with yeah. and an acreage range. And then you can look at new listings every week and you can look at properties that have been reduced in price. And then if you see, like, if you have that set up and you're paying attention, you know, cause we're, we're in a spot right now, you know, like people talk about like the 2008 housing market crash and like the stock market crash and they yeah. go, they, we act like that was like a thing that happened overnight. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was something, you know, we're seeing this now with regional banks collapsing and we're seeing this inflation. We're finally kind of maybe getting inflation under control, but we haven't experienced the the downside of this this recession we're going yeah. into. Like we we we're not there yet. Yeah. And it might be 2 years before people really start feeling that crunch and they go, you know, that 40 acres we bought to hunt, we don't use it very much and we could really use that money cuz our retirement accounts down 20%. Mm-hmm. And if you start paying attention to those trends, like I know I said earlier, like there's no deals, like sometimes there are. Yeah. And sometimes what you see when you follow something like that is 
I'll see a property come up that I'm kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. You can you can look that sucker up on Onyx or HuntStand or whatever and see the owner's name, their address. Then you can look it up and go, oh, this is a you know 93 year old widow who owns this now because her husband just died or yeah. somebody inherited this or whatever. And you can go, this might be a property where I can make a reasonable offer on it. They might be desperate. Yeah. Or they might just not want to sit on this asset anymore. And so you can do a little due diligence that way and kind of like at least help yourself out some. Right. Here's here's a question. Maybe you know know this. I don't. So I can go into a dealership right now and I can buy a $60,000 truck with no money down. Okay? And 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 get it today, yep. right? And so and that's a depreciating asset. You go land, they don't do that. You know, like, so if, if a, if a bank goes upside down or if the, if the land, the guy can't afford to pay it, they're getting something that's actually going to appreciate. So why don't they give those types of loans out to, to land for land? Man, that is a, I'm glad you brought that up. I, banks don't like owning raw land. They just don't. And they, I've tried. So that's, that's another thing they lenders are very comfortable if there's an asset involved like a car or an rv or a boat or a house that they're just comfortable if they have to repossess that yeah with land like raw land getting a loan for it especially if you don't have like immediate plans to build on it right is like brutal but this this i'll say this i when i bought my first property i was I went through Wells Fargo because that's who I banked with. Yep. And yep. they're like, we're not giving you a loan for land. And I was like, it's like 7,000 bucks. Like what, what can we do? And it was, they, I did a personal loan, right? Mm -hmm. the, the interest rates suck or whatever, but like I could get the loan. The next one, um, I can't remember if it was that one or one. I bought three in my life. One of them, I went in and I needed, I, I bought it for 27 grand. I needed like 21 or 22. I can't remember. And my credit union was like, no, we don't give raw land loans. Yeah. And I said, well, I was like, I have great credit. Like I can afford this payment. What, what can we do? And they're like, oh, do you own a vehicle? And I was like, well, I have one that's going to be paid off in like two months. And they're like, just pay it off. And then we'll just refinance your vehicle loan. And you can use that money to buy the land. And I was like, why can't you just give me the money for the land then? But they wouldn't do it. But they did that land for me. And I actually got a phenomenal rate on it because it was an auto loan. Yeah. There's like having a relationship with a banker. I know it sounds like 1930s type stuff, yeah. but you know, like working with a credit union or something and really like what you said about, you know, how you kick this off. If you're going to buy land, you better save up a real down payment. Like yeah. if you're thinking, you know, if you're going to spend 80, hundred grand, 200 grand, whatever you're going to do, like they're going to want to see a real buy-in from you to even consider it. And if it's got ag, it's different if it's income producing it's different but it's not so simple as being like i want 40 acres of deer ground and i'm going to walk in and like that dealership and not put any money down because it's not a good idea and we should say this if you're listening to this don't buy a sixty thousand dollar truck yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't do it man these interest rates are crazy right now they're yeah they're, they're about to go up a little bit more here it sounds like yeah oh yeah there's that um okay so what hunt this year 
would you say that you are the most excited about going on? If, if you if everything comes to fruition and you draw what you wanted to draw or, you know, the plans put in place, what are you looking forward to the most? This is going to sound really weird, but bear hunting with my daughter in Wisconsin. Okay. And bear hunting is way down on my list of priorities. Yeah. But I drew and she drew a tag and I, we have some big bears to work with. They're out of their dens already. I'm we're, we're seeing them. We're seeing their tracks. And I think if I, if I work hard, I can get her on a big one. I'm talking like a live weight, 400, wow. 400 plus type bear. And I just, I, I'm just kind of geeking out on the idea of being with her mm-hmm. when we see a big bear coming in and the whole process. What I, what I love about bear hunting, kind of like the food plot thing we talked about, I don't like shooting a bear on bait. It's like not, it's a weird thing. I love baiting them and setting up spots and running cameras and just like, it's super exciting to me. But when I'm sitting there and a bear walks in and I shoot it on bait, it's not, yeah. you know, it's not my thing really, but with her, we're going to make it a process. We'll go over there. We'll bait together. We'll haul the boat over and go fishing or catch some trout and just make it like a you know, it, it could be like a month long experience for us. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm geeked out about it. And it, it surprises me. Cause I've, if you'd asked me if she didn't have a tag, I'd be like, I don't, Yeah, this, you know, I can't believe I'm skipping an elk hunt or a mule deer hunt to go bear hunting, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so. crazy. Um, bear hunting again, it, for me, I think me and you are on the same boat, like dumping, a box of Cheerios and some syrupy bread out in the woods and waiting for an animal to come to it. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that really trips my trigger, but I've had some buddies who said, dude, I thought the same way until you can, until you see an animal that if it wanted to, it could kill you. Yes. It's eating lucky charms, but if it wanted to climb that tree or run you down, it could, and a black bear could hurt you really bad. Uh, and, yep. and and so he goes, until you feel that power within bow range, you, it, it kind of changes your mind a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a, I really think it's something that if, if you have any interest at all, you should try to do it once. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I'll say this, you know, again, you're kind of like in a big wood setting. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah. Like you're in, swamps big woods it's different and when you see one coming through the woods like being around bears is cool yeah like just being around them is pretty neat and it's it sounds like a slam dunk type of hunt and it and it can be like you you see this in the hunting industry a lot where people go on bear hunts on like an outfitted bear hunt in you know manitoba or wherever where it's like oh we have 17 bears coming in and we're hunting this color phase barrel there he is like there's there are bear hunts like that out there there's also the do-it-yourself kind of thing like you could draw in northern minnesota and go hunt superior national forest and it's not like you're going to be overrun with bears and you're going to have to work for it or you, you know we have a a no quota zone here in minnesota which is essentially probably the southern two-thirds of the state and you don't have to draw you can just buy a bear tag but the bear numbers are really low and there's a lot of competition because anyone can do it and I, I hunted that probably, I guess maybe four seasons 
and I killed one bear and it was the bear I saw in four seasons of hunting. And it's like not easy at all. Yeah. And so, you know, it kind of varies, but it's, it's worth it. You know, like you said about the high fence thing, it, you're glad you did it. Yep. Right. Yep. Now, you know, it's not your thing yep. and bear hunting for whatever reason, you know, a lot of people, it's not their thing, but some people are like, you know, play Newcomb over at meat eater. Like yep. that dude's ups. And I'm like, I don't, I don't get that, but that's his thing. Yeah. You know? He loves it. He loves it. Well, Tony, man, um, from here on out, it's, it's spiral. It, it would spiral out of control. And we'd start talking about things that might get us in trouble or ruin our career. So I think we'll save that for another episode. And, uh, uh, I just appreciate you coming on and, and BSing with me for a little bit. So thanks, man. Yeah, buddy. I always love coming on the show. And there you have it. Another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Tony. Love that guy. Love having him on the podcast. Huge shout out to all of the brands that support the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Tethered Wasp, Vortex, Hunt Stand, and now the Woodman's Pal Uh, Again, go check out those brands. Go support those brands. And then last but not least, please go to iTunes. Leave a five-star review. Let everybody know how awesome this podcast is. Spread the word. And uh, do me another big favor. Go to the Sportsman's Empire website. Sportsman's Empire. Sportsmen's, M-E-N-S. Sportsmen'sEmpire.com. And uh, upload. I guess it's not really an upload, but enter in your email address and I'm going to start putting out uh, monthly emails of some of the highlights that the empire is uh, you know of all the content that coming that's coming out of the empire so please go and uh, do that and last but not least good vibes in good vibes out and we'll talk to you on Friday